What is nostalgia? Why is it so popular and everywhere in entertainment today? And is that a good or bad thing? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, philosopher peeps. Welcome to The Overthinkers. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, Jane Austen enthusiast. And with me is my crafty co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and ooh, ooh, these are always so hard. I got to think of what I can they are, do. They are. Some, someone who can charmingly not come up with any satisfying answer. <laughs> wow, that maybe that'll be our last one because we're running out of we're running out of yeah. those. That's good, I'm running out of cool aspects about pay myself. off the joke. Uh, yeah, nice, nice. Well, you're you you've got it. You've you've got you've got the things. Uh, ran out of talent. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that's uh, it. It's the end of me. Exactly. It's all done. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, today we are going to talk about nostalgia, which is one we've been wanting to talk about for a very long time. I think it's very obvious to say that we live in an age where nostalgia is dominant in entertainment. Movies and TV based explicitly on nostalgia for pa the past decades dominate viewership and awards buzz. Uh, Stranger Things, Jumanji, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Wonder Woman 1984, even the new revisionist nostalgia Hollywood on Netflix. You can even argue Marvel and DC movies are based on nostalgia because the vast majority of them are based on characters created from the 1930s to at most the 80s. Mm. Swiss doctor Johannes Hoffer, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, coined the term nostalgia in 1688 to describe medical conditions of Swiss soldiers made sick by literally homesickness. In modern day, according to the New York Times, what is article, what is nostalgia good for? Psychologists have found that, and I quote, nostalgia has been shown to counteract loneliness, boredom, and anxiety, makes people more generous to strangers and more tolerant to outsiders. Couples feel closer and look happier when they're sharing nostalgic memories. And on cold days and cold rooms, people feel, use nostalgia to literally feel warmer. However, mm -hmm. nostalgia has increasingly come under fire for its darker side. Many people argue that telling stories that celebrate the past can blind us to the evils of our history. HBO Max pulled Gone with the Wind from its catalog temporarily because of the romanticized nostalgia for the pre-Civil War slave-holding South, and then brought the movie Gone with the Wind back with a commentary discussing the problematic content. But that generated controversy during the days when it was off HBO Max. Nathan, why do you think nostalgia is so popular in entertainment today? Do you think that it's a good thing, bad thing, or something in between? And most importantly, how do you plan to cynically monetize it for your own selfish gain? <laughs> well, I'm making a movie about the 1980s and 90s. It's going to be a cartoon filled with all of your favorite characters. And <laughs> give, me, give me your money. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> Funnily enough, I do feel like, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, I feel like that is kind of what I see happening a lot with, um, <clears throat> with movie franchises uh, cartoons, books, etc. It is interesting to me, and this is you know, a whole other episode, but how many of our movies now are sequels to things that uh, have taken place in our childhood, whether it's oh, yeah. Ghostbusters or, or, or remakes. Like this. Yes, yeah. ex exactly. Sequels, remakes, continuations. Right. You know, we have the Terminator series, we have Ghostbusters, we have uh, on and on and on and so forth, um, which is interesting to me. And 
sometimes uh, they don't work and, you know, it, it's yeah. not uh, yeah. greatly reviewed, but a lot of times they do. And yeah. a lot of times you find that these people who experience this thing when they were um, children uh, really have the strong reaction to seeing that, bringing that into their current lives today. And, you know, as I think about all the things that I was brought up on, the nostalgic memories I have, especially in arts and entertainment, there is kind of this magic, right, yeah. of going back and sitting with somebody and watching it of reliving that world that you lived right. in when you were a kid. I, I think one of the, the draws to nostalgia, at least for me, is as, as we grow into adulthood, uh, we find that the world is a complicated, a hard, a, uh, yeah. a sometimes an antagonistic place to live, or very often antagonistic. Yeah. There's brokenness, there's pain, there's responsibility, there's tiredness, there's exhaustion. And so sometimes for me, nostalgia, when I go back and watch an old cartoon, when I go back and watch um, you know, a movie that I grew up on when I was a kid or read a book that I haven't read in, in decades, it brings me back to a simpler time. It takes me kind of yeah. out of this stressful world that I inhabit, uh, the one that's covered with uh, depressing and angry news headlines and people, and it takes me away from that kind of a time machine. And it says, you're a kid again, sit here and just for an hour and a half, enjoy this time Free right. from all those stresses. And I think nostalgia offers us that. It's a kind of an escapism um, kind of uh, a thinking when we engage in it. So I definitely understand as I looked at culture um, as it's unfolded and, you know, not to be one of these guys, um, but yeah. I, I do think that this culture is particularly stressful. It's particularly mm. um, uh, hyped up and angry and angsty and sad and depressed. And so I think it's no surprise to me that one, you see uh, the millennial generation and, and uh, even older uh, wanting to escape it a little bit. Right. I, I have certainly found myself in the past few months with so many hard and really awful news headlines wanting to just kind of escape. And I found myself escaping into old shows I used to love, old books yeah. I used to love to read. And it's really a comfort. Now, I think there can be a really good thing there. I think it can be a positive thing to find a healthy outlet, a healthy place to let your mind rest, to let your uh, your intellect just give it a day off so you can uh, recoup and enjoy a safe place. But I think if there is a danger, if there is a danger in it, which I probably think there is, um, it would be that, it, again, anything that comes with escapism is that we would want to live there as opposed sure. to engage with the world we're in. And I do have friends, I do have people that are so obsessed with these nostalgic elements of their life they try to live there. They try to live in the video games and the movies and the places that once upon a time made them feel safe. And it becomes almost yeah. a crutch for the real world. Now, this is a hard balance because I'm not going to fall very hard on either side because I think nostalgia can be good. But I also think, also think it can be um, uh, a distraction or a, uh, something that keeps you from engaging in real life, which is ultimately um, what we need to do to become healthier, better people. So it's definitely a mixed bag for me. And I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on it as well. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you know, I know I'm, I am depressingly nuanced about some things. And so I'm probably <laughs> going to, you know, go on the record of being like, yeah, there's good sides to it and bad sides to it. <laughs> That's pretty much well. the entire podcast. <laughs> yes, That's, exactly. There's good and there's bad. <laughs> we literally had, you know, a podcast where it's like, is Hollywood poisoning our culture? And my answer was, well, it depends, you know. Yeah, or yes, yes and no. Or yes and no, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, I think, you know, I think you make an excellent point, which is that, you know, we have a desire and, you know, I'm going to be a little bit Christian here for a bit, but, you know, indulge me. We have a desire. Sorry, atheist listeners. Sorry, yes. We'll get no. back to talking about non-religious stuff in a exactly, little bit. Exactly, yes. But, you know, it's, uh, we have a desire to live in a good city, a good world, a world mm. where, 
there is justice, where things make sense, where there is, you know, where, where, where thing, everything's right and life is beautiful and we're celebrating, where the people we admire, our heroes worth admiring, you know, our heroes mm -hmm. are worth admiring, our city is, is Wolf Harmony and, you know, everyone wants to be able to cheer for their country and the city that they live in, you know, like on when, when there's a holiday, you know, of, of an Independence Day holiday, we want to say, yes, we're, we live in a place that's amazing and great and grand. And the thing is that because we live in a world where we are so hyper aware of how broken our world is. And I think mm -hmm. if I can say that we are more aware of that today than we almost ever have been because, you know, academia has spent a long time, you know, showing about like, you know, the problems, you know, that in, in our own world and also the news media and especially with the social media, social yes. media, it's like, you cannot, you know, be unaware of everything that sucks in the world right now, or like mo so many things more than any other era. And so we do, we can't think that our own world is as great as we want it to be. There's no way for us to do that. And so I think we want to um, engage in and believe in eras where it was or could be, you know, either in the past or the future um, better. And, you know, in the Christian, we would call that the kingdom of heaven. We want to believe in the kingdom of heaven um, and be there. Um, the problem is, again, it's not there. It's not here. So we want to escape to places where the kingdom of heaven exists. And you can either put the kingdom of heaven in the past or the present or the, or the future. You can even have the past or the future. And the, you know, in a weird way, we are, there's a couple of interesting things about this. In a weird way, we can't do that anymore with the future because we've come so disillusioned. You know, the, you know, after, you know, there's a lot of people who believed in the progress of the future, like Gene Roddenberry, he created Star Trek, was essentially this fable of how, you know, if we just put our heads together and use our reason and come together as humanity, we can create a utopia. And it's interesting that the, the latest Star Trek with Picard is actually what my friends tell me, I haven't actually seen it myself, they tell me it's the more, most cynical look at the Star Trek universe that mm. has ever been. And, you know, it's, they find out, oh, like it, even the Federation is a corrupt place in many respects. And so it's especially sort of given up on Gene Roddenberry's dream of the dream that you can just, humanity can just create a perfect place. And so oftentimes we do, the other thing is that we look to the past. Okay, back in the 80s, like things were better, weren't they? Yeah. You know, back in the 90s, when I was a kid, you know, things were simpler. I knew who the good guys and the bad guys were. You know, and so we find that kingdom of heaven, we find that security in the past. The interesting thing about that I think is really interesting, uh, further fascinating is that we have to keep moving the goalposts though, because you know, it used to be that we would have stuff that was nostalgic that was set in the 1940s or 50s. And yet, you know, because of historians and you know, people pointing this out, we know too much because we know that in America, like there was segregation in the 1950s. And so mm. it's very diff and, and you know, it's very difficult to do anything about the 1950s without remembering that aspect of it. So that's why Stranger Things is set in the 80s because you can have the black kid in there, you know, who is not necessarily dealing with the same kind of racism that you would have to deal with if you were setting it in the- That 1950s. his parents would have, yeah. His parents would have, you know, you, you have to, exactly. So you, it's a way for us to still, we can, with the 80s, we can still kind of pretend that it was simpler. Um, but again, that's going to change because as, you know, 
people, more historians talk about more things. And as we continually move as a society in some different ways, people are going to talk more about how there were bad parts of the 80s too, and where it's going to be harder for us to see nostalgia there. I mean, you can look at the pushback that um, Quentin Tarantino faced for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for you know, the fact that he portrayed a, an idealized picture of a Hollywood that for, you know, again, for, for many, for many people was less than ideal. Um, and, and there's going to be more and more of that further and further on. So you're always going to have, you're not going to be able to do the eighties for much longer in terms of nostalgia. It's going to move to the nineties and then it's going to move to the two thousands. And, and that's, I think it just shows like, okay, yeah, you, if, as a Christian, you say there are, there was a good city in, there was a, a good world in the past and that was Eden and there will be a good world in the future. And that's the new Jerusalem, but you can't ever put those things just closer together than that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's such a hard thing because it, what I find fascinating is that many people are nostalgic for things they've never even experienced. Right. The, yes. the amount of times I've heard someone say, you know, I was born in, you know, the 90s or 2000s, <laughs> but really, really? I really should have been born in a different era. I should have been born in the 20s because the exactly. 20s really fit my personality yeah. better because, you know, usually it's because they like to wear vests or exactly. bowler hats yeah. or something. <laughs> Sorry yeah. if I'm getting my costumes incorrect. Maybe it's fedoras um, uh, and jackets, but whatever <laughs> it is, it's funny that people kind of idealize themselves in a different world in which they've never even lived. And right. I think that goes to kind of, the, as you were saying, this deep intrinsic desire on all of us for heaven. We have heaven-shaped yes. hearts. Yeah. And I think when people look back to these eras, they see this world to inhabit that looks um, like it fits them. And we yeah. each have this, this desire in our hearts that wants to find ourselves in a place that fits us, that, that yeah. makes sense, mm-hmm. that has a culture and an aesthetic and a, a community that um, is life-giving to us. And I think so many of us now have found that's not happening in our lives currently. Yeah. And I think sometimes we look back to these previous generations, you know, I've been guilty of, um, uh, you know, looking back to the World War II generation and going, wow, you know, that's, and like you said, the 1950s, I'm like, you watch Leave to Beaver, you watch uh, right. I Love Lucy, you see these, these kind of perfect families and they have, um, yep. you know, the, the nice cookie cutter houses and everyone's nice and everyone's happy. And beneath it though, like you said, there was, segregation going on yeah. deep pain they were just coming out of war there was depression yeah. there was suicide there was amazingly difficult things. undiagnosed ptsd you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so this idea of wanting to go back somewhere where the world was better um you know i, I think is interesting because if you look through history for any amount of time all you're going to find is that we really haven't progressed we, we have cell phones now we have cars yeah but as far as humanity we're kind of doing the same things we've always done yeah. we still have barbaric practices we still have deep pain we still have killings we still have murders we still have um deep uh, so- social injustice governmental injustice the, the world has not been fixed and we have not created a utopia that we all long for and so i think it's yeah. really interesting that still that nostalgia um, either for you know old movies and an era a bygone era that you, you experienced uh, when you were a child and you didn't see a lot of this darkness, or even an era in which you never have existed, you've just seen on right. films and movies that looks that looks like a place you'd want to be because it's, it's so um, what's the word uh, uh, fancified? It, right. It's nice, it's polished. Um, it's interesting to me uh, that humans have that longing in their yeah. heart for some sort of utopia, and and I think that's you know very human that we're trying to build a utopia. 
but now with the rise of the information age, yeah. we can't do that anymore. We can't hide the things that have right. happened. We can't hide the terrible um, uh, things that have happened in every single generation. So what do we yeah. do? We live in a world that is really hard. And when we look back, the world was really hard and bad too. So I feel like a lot of people uh, now don't really know where to exist in their minds. Uh, you yeah. know, Father Giussani, he was a, a, sure, a theologian go. who was, um, I was turned on to by actually one of our previous guests, uh, Louis Divino, and he, he's a Catholic uh, mind that he talks mm -hmm. about nostalgia. That was one of his, his things. And he says, nostalgia kills because kind of what it does is it, is it, uh, it, it, it sanctifies and brushes and polishes the past with an unrealistic brush. Um, and that's where people want to live when in reality it, it wasn't like that. And it keeps our, our minds and our faces faced backwards right. instead of forwards. And as Christians, as people of faith, we believe we are looking forward. We are trying to build the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we, this is something that we are all part of. And we're trying to look forward into what we can build, how we can make the world a more beautiful place. And if we're looking back at a faux heaven, then we're gonna be wasting our time and effort looking at something that's not even real, even though it looks comforting and safe to us. That's that's an excellent point. Is that you know if if you do um, lionize the past, also it has a couple of problems, which is that it creates a kind of um, this this uh, this idea that oh everything is just keeps getting worse, and that we and that and a kind of a pessimism about the future because you're always comparing whatever is now to something that was better in the past, um, and you can't appreciate what is actually here, and also. You, you think you have a bias that you think that in order to fix the world, you have to go back to the thing that you had then. And so you're, you're actually, mm. your project, their, your kingdom of heaven project becomes a project of let's go back to this specific time when some of the things of that specific time were good and perhaps better than they are right now. But not all of them are. And you have to be able to differentiate between those things, which were the things that were good that might be good to reclaim, but which were not. I mean, you know, because, you know, uh, what's the face? Uh, C.S. Lewis talked about the, the trend of chronological snobbery to, mm. uh, to say like, okay, well, because things, whatever people believe now or what's going on now is obviously better than what happened before. Um, because, you know, and, you know, he would always, he had, would always ask, I was like, well, people, you know, people, there was the old thing like, oh, that thinking is so medieval. And he would say, well, why did they people get rid of that way of thinking is was it because it was disproven or because there is you know it's just a new fashion you know now to think a different way and so that's what we always have to um hold those intention where it's like there are some things that did used to be better i mean you know i won't name things off the top of my head because that's where you know but but uh but you know but there are also a lot of things that used to be worse and you know avoiding this sort of uh idealizing of the past but also avoiding this uh, sort of over cynicism of the past that everything before yesterday was wrong um, is, is something that's really important to do. And I guess that would be the sort of question is I would have is, is how do you create art that, and where are maybe some examples of art that you've seen, you know, whether it's movies, books, or something else that you think does a good job of highlighting, um, you know, what's good about the past while also really freely acknowledging things that were wrong with it? Oh, that's a great question. And one I want to do like research into because <laughs> my head, I'm going to totally blank. 
but I'll I go do... first because I have a couple of yeah. Them. Please, please. And then you think about it, and then we can probably do something about the like this later. Also, a follow up on this. I would love to have do that. So I would give two. One is anything by Jane Austen, um, because you know the Jane Austen books or Jane Austen movies. Because one of the things that's amazing about those stories that Jane Austen did is that there's a certain you know romance around that time and place that people have for it and that you see oh yes this way of courtship this kind of courtship that was very civilized and was very seemed very dignifying as opposed to the kind of courtship you know and and hookup culture or dismissive kind of over sexualization that we often see today people are able to look at that and say this was a very respectful way of romancing that that we wish that we could go back to but on the other hand it's hmm. you know, Jane Austen is very clear about the problems with the the you know class divides and the the like class snobbery that would go on and the restrictions on you know women's uh you know women's um, uh opportunities and so when you watch a Jane Austen movie you are because that's where all her conflict and her stories come from is those restrictions on life and and that you could have and I think that when you watch a Jane Austen movie at least I do I'm very hyper aware of everything that was good about it and everything that was or not everything, but many things that were bad about the time. The other thing I would say is that, you know, and this is sort of, is, I don't know if you ever watched the PBS show way back when, Liberty's Kids, um, which was, a, which was a, a, a TV show about the um, Revolutionary War period. And it had these kids who, you know, who were working for Ben, in Ben Franklin's, you know. Yeah. Ben I love that show. And it was a great show. And boy, you would, could never get like a more, raw raw patriotic show than that show like how much they would talk about freedom like it's looking for you know someone to shout it off with war paint you know but on the other hand oh my gosh the show was so frank about the evils of slavery and the mm. anti-semitism and the evils of you know kind of mob uh mentality that would often go um, on among the 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 uh the Patriots, the revolutionaries, and also treatment of Native Americans. I mean, they did whole episodes on that and then integrated that very uh, thoroughly within that. And so you got this show that was showing both of those things at the same time and showing how you can praise this thing and condemn this thing simultaneously. Yeah, that's interesting. It, you know, I always had this fantasy as a kid. Well, I'm going to come out and be truthful here i had a fantasy as an adult of listening <laughs> to wire the wild west days and so the, the thing that comes to my mind to answer your question is this game that i played called red dead redemption 2 <gasps> and it's one of the most famous games right now and there's good reason for it it's just absolutely amazing absolutely beautiful it 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 shows you the american west and it shows you characters and good but what i love about it is it doesn't create a um fantasy it shows you actually what it would be like it shows you the violence yeah. and the the cruel conditions and how hard it would have been to live in these times and the the technology that was limited and so those are interesting ideas because you know you have these thoughts like when i was a kid i think oh i want to be a cowboy i didn't think about they didn't have bathrooms or running water <laughs> i just thought about riding a horse and you know lassoing things um yeah. but, it, but i think that is how our our minds work we create worlds again like because we are heaven-centered people we want a heaven we create worlds in which we think we want to inhabit in our head. Right. We want to inhabit these heavens, quote unquote. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that, that one comes to mind because it's always funny. The, the realism that comes with, um, with, comes with your fantasy, with your nostalgia. Right. But what I, what I like you talked about a little bit is 
avoiding cynicism while accepting reality. Because I think a lot of people fall on one side or the other. We want to talk about how perfect either an era or a a piece of art or a movie was, or um, we want to be totally cynical about it and be like, oh, it's awful, it's stupid. You know, I, I have friends on one side of the issue who pretty much say, anything any any artwork created after 1900 was terrible it doesn't yeah. <laughs> matter how good it was it's just if it's old it's good and yeah. they pretty much refuse to a- acknowledge anything good and same with my movie buff friends a lot of them be like well yeah. if it's not you know this or that you know if it's made in, it since 2000 right, yeah, exactly. it can't possibly be good and right. they'll you know scoff at nolan or even scorsese's new stuff they're like his old stuff was better right um which is so funny because they have kind of they created this moment in their head in which it was yeah. perfect maybe when they watched it it hit a right it was the right moment exactly. and something about um the modern age has kind of uh made them cynical about anything modern because it's so mixed with the pain and right. the brokenness of their current reality yeah uh, so, which is interesting but it's hard to hold those things in tension right yeah. it's hard to hold the, the reality uh, of the hard things in life and it's while saying there were also also good things too humans are not very inclined no. towards um cognitive you dissonance know. or nuance yeah exactly we, we want extremes we want to- we want totality on one side or the other yeah. and it, it i think it's becoming increasingly hard for people to say there were good things in the past and there were bad things in the past and you're going to find people who want to fall on one side or the other um so I, I don't know what it is about humans that do that but it is yeah. interesting, but I would ascribe it to we want heaven yes. um, or we're very acutely aware that we are not living there. Yes. I think that those both of those, those true things. I think that another thing that's interesting about our era, and this is a suggestion by the filmmaker John Hughes, which is the, about the proliferation, particularly today, of brown nostalgia, is that is the um, uh, population demographics because mm. he pointed out the fact that you had a lot of teen movies when baby boomers were teenagers um, because they had the numbers to be an audience for movies about, uh, about teenagers that appealed to just them. Um, but as we are slowly, each generation is having less children than the one before, um, the, 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 the people who exist, you know, who are the biggest audiences are the older people you know, who are looking back on their, on their older days. And, you know, I think that, and the, the more that we have that, the more that we have, you know, that the, the older generations are the ones with the most, um, with, are the largest populations, I think that, you know, we have to expect that, you know, movies are going to be made that appeal to their sensibilities. And art is going to be made that, you know, at least mass consumption art is going to be made that appeals to their sensibilities. Um, but I think that, you know, like, again, you said the answer is, not, is, is we have to be comfortable with the world that we actually live in, which is there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. And that's, um, and that's the world we live in. That's okay. And admitting that there's bad stuff in the past doesn't actually invalidate the good things about the past. And yeah. admitting, because I know, again, you know, I, I can be tribalistic too. Like it's, Sometimes I'm defensive and don't want to admit bad things like about men because I don't want to, you know, uh, I don't want to sort of give weapons in the uh, toolbox of people who want to say, you know, men are all bad. But like, you know, it's like, no, but there are some very deeply problematic things about men. And so you have to be able to do that in your world and not buy into the lie that if you say, admit something bad, that 
it invalidates everything that you love. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it, you know, it's interesting to me a little bit, and I was just thinking about this, I don't know how relevant um, to the actual truth of this matter is, but it is interesting because we have this image, you know, of the guy who's still wearing the ACDC shirt. And he's like, there's never going to be a band better than ACDC. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering, first of all, what band I will be yelling at my kids about. <laughs> yeah. Probably my chemical romance. There will never be a filmmaker better than Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I will, I'm going to make my kids watch Christopher Nolan's and they're going to roll their eyes. Yes. It doesn't matter. Cause I'm going to say this, is real filmmaking this is and they're cinema. gonna hate me and then you know they're gonna show me some some guiding but yeah him no this is so, just an extended tiktok video <laughs> but I, I look at the things in my life that i really connect with and resonate with and the ones that i have quote unquote nostalgia around yeah and they're the things that i experienced either as a kid or as um maybe a teen uh, or young adult as i was shaping myself yes as i had a limited view of the world and these things were kind of uh the soundtracks yeah. and the aesthetic of that growing time. And you know, and now I've become more of a solidified adult. Those things are still a part of the, yeah. the bricks that built me. So I think there, when it comes to nostalgia too, there's also an aspect of, you're not just criticizing a movie, you're criticizing a part of someone if yes. you start jabbing at their nostalgic things. Yeah. You know, if you start jabbing at the bands I listened to in high school, you're not just criticizing a band, oh, I don't really like it. You're saying, Nathan, the songs that resonated with you, the songs that got you through those angsty teenage moments, they're, they're dumb, so you must be dumb. So I think nostalgia yeah. is a really hard thing to actually be careful when someone's sharing something with you from their past or that they're yeah. nostalgic about. I think it hits in this really deep uh, level of identity, that these, there are bricks of myself that were built with these movies and these books and these uh, uh, songs. And so that's an interesting thing too. And, but, but also as I'm looking back, you know, I, I wasn't listening to them with the objectivity I am right. now. I can go back and watch a movie and go, really, I like this? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, you know, now I can see that it wasn't very good, but there's still a little part of me that loves it because I loved it back then with my limited knowledge. Right. And so I think, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I do think that, that nostalgia takes us back to these building blocks of the people we actually are. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I think nostalgia when in the, definitely in the form of art comes and it takes us back to a simpler time. Yeah. And um, even if it wasn't necessarily simple when we were around it, it seems right. simple and it seems safe. Uh, then, you know, you, you, you've brought up in a previous episode, the um, study Ooh, of the backs. reality. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, exactly. Callbacks. Um, but the reality that uh, actually many things in our culture today are better than they have been in human history. Yeah. Um, there's, a, you, you know, you, you know the study better than, than I. There's less racism. There's less um, uh, yeah. uh, less murder, poverty, less, less poverty. Yeah, less, exactly. Less, you know, Except yeah. for one thing. Yeah. And it's depression Ooh. and suicide, correct? Yes. Yes. Depression, anxiety, and suicide. Yes. And so I wonder if nostalgia is one of these things that is oh my the, gosh. Only, the only savior for us right now in the epidemic of depression and, and sadness that we're facing because it oh. takes us back to a place that is better, that is safer, that is kinder. And so we almost need, we almost have to ignore the bad parts of whatever genre or, or history or era that we're in because those are the safe places we can go back and exist because this world is too hard. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And actually it's really exciting because I just made a couple really neat connections with it. First of all, you know, when you talked about that, how personal that is and how you're not just attacking the thing the cultural artifact, the piece of art, you're also attacking the person. You know, that is why 
people had such a visceral reaction. Well, many people had a very visceral reaction to uh, de-glamorizing the um, uh, characters like Luke Skywalker and Han Solo yes. in Star Wars movies, because these were characters that for many people, you know, taught them how to be good men. You know, it's like, okay, this is what it looks like to be a hero. This is what it looks like to be able to grow up and take responsibility. And particularly, you know, when that was the era where there was starting to be this epidemic of fatherlessness, you know, these were people that say, oh, this is what a good man looks like. This is what it looks like to be mm. a good man. But I didn't have those models in my own life. And so for those, for those men, when you deglamorize de them, what you're saying is the thing that you built your ability to be a good, mature human being on was a lie. Mm. And that's why people reacted so violently, in many cases, very toxically. Um, the, the other thing that you pointed out was that, I mean, the fact that today, you know, we are seeking any place that is a refuge to say, I can exist in a good world because there's such a rise of this depression and anxiety. Any place other than this world that I'm living in that I can live in. It's why, you know, so many of the big movies, again, are fantasy, you know, the superhero movies. It's like, you know, okay, there are no good heroes in the world, but I can have a fantasy hero where things like this, where people are, are capable of being good. And the thing that, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, this New York Times article, like, what is nostalgia good for? One of the things they talk about is they talk about the nostalgia, the, the psychological benefits of nostalgia tend to come not through looking at the back at how much better life used to be, but the psychological benefits come from being connected, say, thinking about the past because it actually gives you a narrative that says that your life has meaning. Hmm. Where it's like, you know, I was this way, things were this way, and I did something and those things were meaningful. Life was not meaningless. Like they did these experiments that say like, okay, they actually had people read existential philosophy or like gave them existentialist quotes about the meaninglessness of life. And the people who engaged in nostalgia beforehand were less likely to believe those things when they heard them. And wow. the people who engaged in nostalgia afterwards, you know, felt, still felt happier than after they had read those, read those. And so the thing that nostalgia, what we're doing when we're looking at nostalgia, and especially in an age where we're saying, where people are killing themselves because they think life is meaningless, is that they are going and looking at the past and saying, wow, look at where we've come from. And mm. look how, you know, I come from a heritage of heroes because heroes existed in the past. And because of what they did and what they built, I am able to be where I am today. And I can therefore do something like that to build a future for everybody else. And in fact, just living my life as I have, has done that and built something for other people. Because people are nostalgic and have those same benefits in nursing homes where they have nowhere else to go. That is a deeply powerful, meaningful and necessary thing that I think you make an excellent point that people need now more than ever. It's, it's kind of going back and to a place in which you believed the world had meaning yeah. and purpose. You know, I, we're going to have another episode on fandom, but I think yes. that's what fandom is. As you mentioned, Star Wars and the people I recently saw the last Star Wars with 
had experienced that as kids and, and this meant something to them. These were the heroes, yeah. like you said, that they looked up to and to see their heroes betrayed on screen and we can have a whole other podcast on that. Oh yes, which um, we will, yes. <laughs> but it wasn't just another Star Wars movie. To me, it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't live in the seventies. Yeah. So I, they, I didn't have the same connection to them. But when they saw them, they felt betrayed. This is not the hero that when I was a kid gave my life meaning and purpose. And right now my life doesn't have a lot of meaning and purpose. And so when I'm coming to the theater, I'm expecting you to take me back to the place that gave me those clearly defined heroes and villains. And it said, life has purpose and meaning. That's really, that, that's, that's really interesting. But I will say just uh, to quickly, um, as we begin to wrap up, yep. uh, one franchise I do, and I, I hate to out myself as this nerd because I've mentioned it before, that do it. does this really well, that both handles the reality of the present day, but also um, but has rem remained true to the characters and the virtue that they have is Marvel. I, I see, yes. you know, when you're watching Captain America, 100%. Iron Man, they're not ignoring uh, the problems we have today. They're actually talking about them in these yep. stories and they're talking about the real world issues, the modern world issues, while at the same time, not being cynical about goodness, not being cynical yeah. about purpose. Well, these characters remain virtuous because uh, because they're heroes. And so I love that Marvel has somehow, and the writers have somehow figured out a way to both acknowledge the hardness of the world and the present the present struggle while saying we can still be heroes and giving us that nostalgia of superheroes that can yeah. still be good and fight against it. So that's all I have to say. Yeah, and I'll <laughs> say that I'll just... One of the things, and again, this is one of me being my, my Christian moment again, is that I'm grateful to be a Christian in things like this because I don't have to make something up in order to, or lie about the past in order to have that um, good feeling. I don't feel, I don't, I don't, even if I sometimes act that way, it's not because I have to, it's because I'm ignoring what I have. And what I have is, I do have, you know, an Eden in the past, and I do have a kingdom of heaven in the future um, that I can um, say, yes, it is, the heroes do exist, good prevails, and, and, will, and will prevail. And I'm very grateful for that because I don't have to say, well, I only, the only refuge for me to be able to find a world like that um, that satisfies my nostalgia is by lying. I'm grateful that I don't have to rely mm. on that. Mm. So beautiful. Wow, we did it. We just figured out nostalgia. You're welcome, we everybody. You're <laughs> exactly. You're welcome. Uh, solving all the world's cultural artistic problems in you know an hour or less. Um, so well, anyway, that's cool. Let us move on to our great segment: um, blessings and curses of the week. So. Uh, Nathan, do, what is your bless and your curse for this week? Well, this week, since we're talking about nostalgia, I'm talking. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up two a blessing and a curse of things that are very nostalgic for at least a lot of people in my generation. And so my blessing is gonna be again. <laughs> I've been really unoriginal with my blessings and curses and references lately. Um, but my blessing is gonna be the Princess Bride. I'm sorry, Ooh. that movie is amazing Good and choice. it holds up. You go back and watch that, it is still funny. It is still well shot, well acted. It is just an amazing movie that has so much nostalgia for me and so Good many choice. others. It is so good. And my curse of the week is another nostalgic movie for a lot of people that I just can't get on board with. <laughs> um, the Goonies, what? <laughs> the Goonies, so come I have not on. Seen that. But 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you're not missing much. Or, <laughs> you're not missing something really just, it's, it's not... It's not great. And hey, listen, if you disagree with me, please send us a message and yeah. I will delete it immediately because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because the Goonies is not good, especially when you compare it to something like the Princess Bride, which is amazing. Joseph, what are your what is your blessing curse of the week? Oh, I, well, I'll see. I can't top that. But I will say my um, blessing of the week is because I haven't done this yet. And I should should is uh, the this year's uh, the 2020 adaptation of Emma. Um, mm. and I think, um, that is, is such an amazing film. We we're talking about nostalgia and I talked about, you know, what was great about Jane Austen and Jane, uh, um, movies that she's able to do what was amazing about a time period. Um, but also, and also just amazing about love and, and stuff like that, but also showing the flaws of, of the time period. And it's just, it is probably the most beautifully made, um, uh, Jane Austen adaptation, both cinematography wise, but also, you know, showing the layers of humanity that I've, that I've seen. Um, and I think that was the last movie. I think you and I saw it together. Yeah, we did. Yes, and I, mean, uh, I think before, that might've been the last movie quarantine. we saw before quarantine. Yep. I think that was, and I agree. Yeah. Such a good so movie. Maybe yeah, partly I love it so much because I'm nostalgic for back when I was <laughs> Yeah, for three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nostalgia for three months ago. No, but it is, it is, it is still my favorite movie of the year. I think it is, it is, a movie that teaches us about humanity and helps us celebrate humanity and everything that was good about humanity universally and also admit and laugh at and, and, uh, and, but also criticize things that are bad about humanity universally, but also in the time period. And then for my curse, I will actually do a movie that I just watched yesterday, Guns Akimbo. Um, oh, I've heard of this. It's, it's, you know, everybody has seen the meme of, you know, Harry Potter hashtag, you know, Daniel Radcliffe who in his, you know, with, in his bathrobe in a beard and, you know, with guns, you know, uh, uh, stapled to his, his, his hand. And what I, what I was really disappointed with about it is that it, it was trying to do social commentary, but the social commentary was so shallow. And it was trying mm. to do social commentary of our modern age, of the internet age, of social media and of reality TV culture and stuff like that and troll culture and all of those things. But... <laughs> All of the social commentary was shallow. It was the kind of social commentary that you expect people to make, like you know, people doing social commentary of the internet who don't use it. You know, gotcha. It, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not saying the people who are making this don't use it. I'm just saying it was that level of quality and shallowness, which might be even worse if they do actually use the internet. And wow. I think that, and it's I think that, it, it, that there's so much you can talk about about our modern era and the way we interact with social media and how that's a, a way that we engage with world and like we were saying how it does affect the way we see the world because we can't filter everything but um i'm very disappointed that most people who engage with this new world that we live in do it in such a shallow and uh pitiful way and so i really would like people to do better because there's so much to talk about what it means to be human in our modern age and so people need to step up so that's but, without just cynicism too and no, you didn't mention cynicism but no, I, I find that so prevailing now yeah. is we're not even looking at it objectively we're just being cynical about it all so yeah, that, no, that's exactly. interesting so you can talk about it and deal with it and social comment on it but it, in a both positive and negative way because it, social media and, and internet has both of those um so, absolutely so absolutely. Eh, do better, better. <laughs> um all right well thank you so much uh for another great podcast nathan clarkson uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here today. Now, Nathan Clarkson, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they go? 
Well, they can visit our website, uh, which is the overthinkersjournal.com. Please leave us a message. Please send us something. We have great blogs uh, and, and articles on there from both of us and hopefully uh, sometimes even some great guest posts. So mm, please yeah. check that out and send us a message about what you think about this, this podcast and the subject, if you disagree or agree with us. Um, and also, would you please leave a like or review on the yes. podcast. It helps us so much get out there and get more listeners because we're having so much fun. Guys, we've been we've just been having uh, a blast getting um, to put these podcasts out and have people who actually listen to us yammer on for an hour about things. And it's yeah. really cool to see a community coming together. So please be a part of that, leave a review. Um, and you can get in touch with me or find out more about me at nathanclarkson.me. You can also find me on social media, uh, most of them. Uh, just type in my name, Nathan Clarkson, He's and uh, I love not on TikTok people. yet. <laughs> oh, well, uh, actually, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You... <laughs> actually, I have one viral video that I made with Kelia on TikTok. No, and, uh, for all the special litter listeners, you'll have to go and find it. So uh, I'm not, I'm not too ashamed, but I was hoping to keep this a secret a little longer. But now Joseph has outed me as Dude, a TikToker. Not even on purpose. Um, <laughs> not even on purpose. So that, so that's how I can get a hold of me. How about you? Um, yes. So also, I'm on all the socials on Twitter at uh, Normal Guy Eight, um, Facebook Joseph Holmes, Instagram Holmes Five Nine O Five. And uh, if you want to find um, me and my website is josephholmesstudios.com. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Cheers. Cheers.